வெல்கம் டு கிரியேட்டிங் வெல் த்ரூ பேசிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் பாட்காஸ்ட் இன் திஸ் ஷோ வி வில் டிஸ்கஸ் அபவுட் பெஸ்ட் அண்ட் ஒர்ஸ்ட் எக்ஸ்பீரியன்சஸ் அபவுட் பேசிவ் அண்ட் ஆக்டிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் அண்ட் ஐ ஆம் யுவர் ஹோஸ்ட் ராமகிருஷ்ணா லெஸ் பிகின் த ஷோ டுடேஸ் அவர் கெஸ்ட் இஸ் ரோத் ஹிலார் ஃப்ரம் எஸ் எம் எஃப் வெல்கம் ரோத் Hi Rama how are you thank you so much for having me on your podcast I'm honored and excited to see what we're going to talk about Sure uh, I'm doing well hope you are also thank you very much Yeah things are great I, you know I'm like I said I'm super honored and I'm excited to dig deep with you Sure sure uh, a little bit about Ruth Ruth Hiller is an experienced real estate investor since 1992 managing all aspects of acquisition sale leasing and renovations for single family homes retail space and multi family in new york los angeles florida texas and alabama georgia and tennessee she is currently an lp and gp in 12 deals totaling over 2000 doors now ruth is passionate about investor relations and building teams in multi family syndication she founded smf as a way to bring opportunities to women while educating them on how to invest do diligence and make the right decision for each individual's needs so with that rose you want to add anything to your background well i i love the fact that um my grandmother started investing in multifamily in 1940 i don't know how she knew how to do that um her husband had died and they lived in chicago and she took they had a little bit of money from a store they owned and she took her kids and moved to Los Angeles, California and bought a few multifamily properties and the, and she was able to support her whole family her whole life by owning those multifamilies and the thing that fascinates me the most is that she only had an 8th grade education so i don't know how she knew to do that i would love to hire a medium to like talk to her cuz i really want to know like how she knew to do that in 1940 awesome and you started as uh, into single families so what is the reason behind transitioning into multifamily space well my grandma owned multifamily and then my parents bought multifamily in the 60s and then about 20 years ago when my mom died i had to do a 1031 exchange and um i transitioned into my own 34 unit multifamily which to be honest was a big failure because i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> and so then i kept going with some single family investments and a retail store and then about 4 years ago i met my mentor and decided to join his apartment investing group so he taught me everything i need to know and that was when i just decided to like jump right in and like switch over from a single family to multifamily got it and what did you learn from your grandmother and your mother regarding multifamily well my grandma was sort of the kind of landlord she would drive by and just pick up the check you know and my parents ran the business different they had a property manager and so you know i learned it's really important right to to have a good asset man- manager and have someone that can help you if that's not your skill set like my skill set is not doing asset management i'd like to team up with other people that are good that's that's what i look for in my business partners is that someone's has a great track record as an asset manager got it so and you're passionate about investor relations and building teams in multifamily syndications so would you a little bit elaborate on investor relations point of view Well, it was interesting because I 4 years ago I went to a Tony Robbins event and I would come home from his event and I was so excited about it that everyone I talked to joined. 
<laughs> and so then a couple of years ago, when I decided to do the multifamily thing, you know, I'd be on the trail and people would be like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm investing in this multifamily. And oh my God, it's amazing. And then people are like, well, I want in. And so the thing I learned about investor relations is, is being excited about what you're doing because the excitement translates. And I love to educate people. And I'm not a pushy person. I think either someone's going to be excited about what I'm doing and want in or not. And so for me, it's to, you know, make sure people feel comfortable. I love talking to people. I'm a very social person. That's what I love um, educating. I had one investor. She, it was the first time she'd ever invested in any type of multifamily. And um, I, I, it was so great to talk her through all the steps and answer all her questions. And it just really made me feel good. And even after the deal closed and she invested, we still have our weekly calls so that she can learn. That that just brings me such great joy because I feel like it's contributing to others' well-being. You know, besides them contributing to the apartment complexes and the communities, it's also contributing to like the investors. And so I love to do that. Good, good. So would you share any of your good experiences regarding investor relations? Well, the best one was the one that I had with that woman, you know, and so like I said, and then she refers me to other people um, and it's just people getting like letter uh, emails and letters, people thanking me for educating them. And, you know, they're excited about the brand and the property's doing really well. And so I love... Uh, you know, I love telling them how great it's doing. And I, I keep in touch with them. You, you know, I text most of my investors and, you know, even in between deals just to see how they're doing and let them, you know, and that that's my favorite thing is connection. So that's fun for me. Great, great. So would you also share any challenging part from investor relations point of view? Well, sometimes the challenging part is when you're doing a syndication deal and people sign up and they're really excited about it and then they ghost you. And so, it trying to get like, hey, you need, you know, you committed, you know, to sign up on this deal. You know, it's kind of at like coming back and asking them to, could you fill out the paperwork? You know, are you still interested in this? And sometimes people ghost me and I've learned it's it's not personal, you know what I mean? So I think it's like hurting cats to get people to, to the finish line in a syndication deal because you really have like a you know a finite amount of time to get people to sign their paperwork and then you want to still maintain the relationship. Uh, with the people and some of the people, you know, that decided not to do the deal, whatever were my friends. And like, it's not personal. I understand that. So, and it's a big, it's a big investment. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of people don't understand it. Got it. Yeah. And would you also share uh, your, uh, your company's process of vetting the investors? Well, we do a 506B. And so what that means um, under the Security and Exchange Commission, it, it means like if we do a multifamily syndication, it can be um, people that I have a pre-existing relationship with. And so I already know them, you know, and then we when when we have our, you know, introductory call, because I already know them, but I, I ask them what their goals are and I need to find out like what kind of money they want to invest. And I want to make sure that no one's giving me their life savings. You know what I mean? That's, I want to make sure that they understand and know what they're doing. So that that's how I vet them. But because it's a 506B, I know all my investors personally. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and you're also passionate about building teams. So would you share some best and challenging experiences from that, that point of view? Well, so when I joined my mentorship group, uh, two years ago, I just, you know, my goal was just to get to know people. I'm a people person. And so 
um, my first goal was to get to know people and see the teams that I like, like who would I invest with, right? So I'm passively invested in 10 deals within that ecosystem. And so I got to meet everybody. I went to all the events and I have a really, I have really good intuition. So I can meet someone and it's either like a hell yes or a hell no. So, um, and I can just tell. And so then I see, then I'll ask around, I see how their deals are performing and that's how, you know, I judge those teams. So then last year I joined a mastermind and there was about 45 of us. And then I identified probably six or seven people in that, in the mastermind that I wanted to do business with. And like, and so I look for someone who's an asset manager that has, that has a great track record. Not that I wouldn't partner with a new person, but there always has to be someone who is an experienced sponsor on the team. And so I want to make sure, you know, I'm, super social and I want to make sure, you know, that I get along with the people on the team. And so for me, it's like, it's important that someone's very detail oriented. Like I said, the asset management team, someone that can manage, um, you know, the CapEx improvements and someone that can handle the budget. And you have to have a good synergy, right? So I partnered in this last deal with um, two women I really respected that are really great asset managers. And I'm that we're, we're killing it on that deal. I'm super excited. And so it took me two years. That's why I tell people don't rush, you know, learn if you're going to do a GP, like make sure you understand your partners because people just jump into these partners and it's like a marriage. So you want to make sure that you have good communication skills, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And you need to ask questions like, how often do we communicate? What are my roles in this deal? And, you know, and that kind of thing. Got it. And yeah, thanks for sharing that. They are like great points. Or would you also share some challenging experiences from, you know, building teams or, you know, finding partners? I haven't really had challenging experiences in that area and I'm hoping not to, right? <laughs> so, cause like I said, I vet the team, you know, I make sure, it, it, especially if I'm going to sponsor a deal, you know, that, like I said, I have discussions because I've said, no, I've got, been on a couple calls and people want me to come in to GP. And usually for me, it's investor relations and capital raising, which is a, you know, that's a major part. And, and some of the teams, maybe they're too inexperienced or I didn't like the underwriting, like, oh, you're going to raise the rent 30%. That doesn't seem realistic. And so how you know, how I judge that is based on uh, my mentor's um, underwriting guidelines. That's how I look at a deal. And that those are the deals that I'm comfortable with. Got it. Got it. So what other factors you would look when selecting a partner or a team? I look that we get along. And like I said, I look for, for me, like the team is the most important thing to me. I don't care where the deal is really. It's if the team is good. Because if the team is good, then they've done their market studies, they've done their school studies, you know, educational stuff in the area and crime and all that. And so, like I said, the asset management part is that that makes or breaks the deal. Someone that can run the asset and manage the business plan. And most of those people that I know usually have some sort of MBA or engineering or IT background. They're really good with details. So that's how, that's how I look for them. Got it. And what markets you are focusing currently? Well, the current partners that I have now, we're looking for another deal in the Dallas-Fort Worth area because they're boots on the ground. Um, like I said, I, if the team is great, uh, I will go you know, with a proven team that has a proven track record in other markets. Cause um, my mentor, you know, said pick three markets, you know, I live in Colorado and I'd love to do a deal here, but the deals here, it's like 300,000 a unit for like a C-class property. So it's really expensive here. So, and I would be boots on the ground. I would, but I, you know, the, um, someone needs to have boots on the ground and then the good asset manager. And that, like I said, it, uh, 
the markets aren't as important to me as the team. Got it. And what size of deals? We look for at least, most of the deals I'm in now are like 150 units plus. Like it's a minimum of 100 units. And we try to stay in like the 100 to, to two something because um, anything over that is institutional and like the bigger guys are going for it. And we like, you know, we've been investing in C-class and now we've been looking maybe at a little bit newer prop- property, like a B minus or a B property. So what is the reason behind it? Well, all C-classes, because they're getting older, right? If it was built in 1959 or 1960, you know, the, the, the pipes and all that, you you have to write the deferred maintenance into the budget, right? And right now, the cap rates are about the same on a C-class or a B-class, which is crazy. They're so compressed. So like, well, why not just buy a B-class if it's the same cap rate and you have a little bit less deferred maintenance to deal with? Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, so would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience from both our passive or active side? Well, I've invested in 10 deals passively and almost all of them had started cash flow and they're all going to the pro forma, what the business plan said. And I loved uh, my first, you know, my GP that I did in uh coach GP in Dallas, it was 143 units that, and um, that's going amazing. Uh, we're, we found three extra units that we're adding and we're uh, rebranding it. I'm a graphic designer, so I'm ahead of the design and the paint scheme and getting, you know, the signage and the logo. So that's been, that's been really awesome. So those are going really well. We closed on that in November and I think the NOI was way uh, over, uh, way ahead of the budget. So the building, I think just since November is like up $4 million in value. <laughs> so I'm excited about that one. Got it. Got it. So would you also share any of challenging experiences from uh, LPR GP side? So 20 years ago, I had to do a 1031 exchange. And I, even though my family was in multifamily, I didn't really know what to do. So I found it, I thought it was like a 25 or 30 unit building down in Denver. And I did the exchange and the deal was just like, I didn't know how to do due diligence and so the books were doctored. There were like drug addicts squatting there. And it ended up to be a disaster because I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to do lease audits. Like now, and it's a great learning experience, right? But I lost a lot of money. So I had to kind of fire sale it just because I, I didn't have the experience or the money. And I also learned if you're going to buy something like that, like I said, you need a team, right? You need, you need a good lawyer. You need a good property manager. You need a good lender, you, you know? And I think even though it was a smaller multifamily, it wasn't like a hundred unit. It's still, I didn't have the experience. So that's, you know, that's why I, th- I believe in like finding a mentor and just educate yourself so that you know how to make the right decision so that you can make money in this business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you started as LP and then transition into GP side. So what lessons you learned uh, as an LP and then you're implementing as GP? Well, what I learned, again, what I learned as an LP is I wanted to make sure I understood the business plan. And so what I would do, I have a due diligence checklist for sponsors. So I'd ask the sponsors, you know, what's your worst performing property? What's your best performing property? Do do your business plans uh, work? Do they, do you get the pro forma, you know, and that kind of thing. And, you know, then do some research on them to see how their deals perform. And then as far as being a GP, again, it's just betting the team that I'm with being excited uh, about about who I'm partnering with and knowing that they'll do a good job because, like I said, I've um, I've been asked quite a bit and I've had to say no quite a bit. <laughs> Got it. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> yep. 
Absolutely. Uh, what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? My current focus is, is looking for more deals with my uh, current team in Dallas. And I'm somehow, you know, planning on having a deal in the next couple of weeks with an LOI. So I'm excited about that too, because my investors are excited. Um, and I just redesigned my website and put some more information, you know, um, I mean, I love everyone to invest, but you know, my avatar is realtors, right? Because I feel like a lot of realtors make a lot of money and they don't know anything about the tax savings. And so, you know, at the end of this year, bonus depreciation is going away. And so I haven't paid taxes in two years because of my multifamily investing. And I want to educate people, especially realtors who are qualified in that area to, to be able to offset their taxes. You know, because it's going to be reduced at the end of this year. And starting next, like now you can declare 100% bonus depreciation. So, you know, off your taxes. And then next year, it's only going to be 80%. Got it. Any one advice that have impact on you? Um, that success leaves clues. And so uh, I think that don't reinvent the wheel. Find someone who's doing what you're doing and learn from them. And yes, you can learn off the internet, but I, like, you know, my mentor has a proven track record. I've, I, since I've been in his ecosystem, I've 10X'd it. So um, it saved me time. It saved me money. And I, I just learned really quick. Yeah, that is my favorite quote also from Tony Robbins. <laughs> you have to model after the success. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So great, great. So any books that impacted your life and what way? Um. I love thinking grow rich. You know, I studied I studied with Tony Robbins for like four years, and you know, Tony. A lot of Tony's principles kind of are taken from that book. You know, like have a have a mastermind. You know, do your say your incantations, have your vision, right? Have abundance. So I, I like that book, and I also love Robert Kiyosaki's uh, book. Got it, got it. And how are you giving back to community? Well, I love improving the lives of the communities that we buy in. That's what I love. Just having you know, turkey giveaways and improving, you know, uh, making the community a nicer place to live. And then um, I donate a lot of money to uh, organizations that um, help women with um, mindset and financial literacy. And so this year I'm selling a large property. I'm going to make a large donation. I'd like to start mentoring some of those women just because I feel like when I was young, I didn't know anything about mindset or financial literacy. So I think that's important, you know, to help people learn. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Thank you. And how can listeners can connect with you? Um, they can go on my website at uh, yesmfnow.com. And I don't know what you're thinking, but MF stands for multifamily. Cool. And thank you, Ruth. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and thanks for adding value to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. And I can't wait to meet you in person sometime. Sure. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.